want to build and launch your own product? Justin Jackson here, and you're listening to Product People. I've gone out and found the world's best founders, developers, designers, anyone who's built and launched their own thing. I invite them to chat with me and then share those insights with you. you want to get the full video interview? You need to be a JFDI member. Go to jfdi.bz and join the community of Product People listeners. This week, you'll hear from Patio 11, an influential member of the self-funded bootstrapping community, as well as a high-profile member of Hacker News. He's going to teach you how to market yourself, make connections, and promote that app, SaaS, or other product you've just built. Talking about marketing, I'm writing a book right now called Marketing for Developers. If that sounds like something you need, go to justinjackson.ca slash marketingfordevelopers. All right, enough chit-chat. Let's get to the audio version of my interview with Patio11. Howdy ho, everybody from Justin's JFDI community. Nice to see you, everybody. And uh, also howdy ho to the folks who are listening to this, not live, but via recording. Yes. So I'm here with Patrick McKenzie, also known as Patio11 on the internet. I think... I think you actually have one of the strongest personal brands because everyone, like Patio 11 is a kind of a, uh, it's a, it's a weird moniker, right? But people mm-hmm. know who you are. It's weird. It's kind of stuck with me and it's almost totally a direct reflection of how the Hacker News software is set up. Yeah. Like they ask you for a username when you start out and it doesn't display your real name by it. Like there's other forums where they'll put your real name that you put in your display field and then parentheses username that you use yeah. to log in and, uh, on other forums I was on prior to that, everybody knew me by my real name, but Hacker News only displays, like, your nick, right? So yeah. I just so, ended up as my nick, and despite the fact that my username, or, sorry, not my username, my real name is not exactly a secret on Hacker News or anything since day one it's been in my profile. Yeah. Lots of people call me Patio11, including yeah. in real life. So <laughs> after a couple of years of that, I was like, all right, I'll run with it, whatever. Uh, well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you meet up in real life, people just know you and think of you as Patio 11. Can I tell you a funny true story? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. I was walking around, um, this has happened to me twice now, once in Mountain View, California, and once in San Francisco, California. I was just walking around, going about my business, and somebody came up to me on the street and asked, excuse me, are you Patio 11? And I thought, (laughs) ah! And the thing that came out, because my brain was kind of vapor-locked, was, um, um, yes, but you realize this is kind of weird, right? And I didn't mean it to sound that brusque. Like, really should have been. Oh, hello, fellow techie. Yes, I am indeed that guy. My name is Patrick. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. But my, you know, the, the whole fight or flight reflex was going through my brain. Like, am I going to get stabbed because he's a Bitcoin fan and knows I hate that with a burning passion or yada, yada. It, it turned out to be totally okay. He was just a just another startup founder in San Francisco. But, um <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Hey, what how, on the subject of hacker news? What how do you feel about hacker news these days? I, I remember last time we chatted you'd said that every yeah. forum has its peak um, and maybe hacker news is is past its prime. So, um obviously since I'm still there almost every day, I kind of it has a place in my heart for a bunch of reasons. Um I do notice that when I open threads these days, like my expectation of 
there will be lots of high-quality comments here, and very little else has declined markedly, particularly on certain topics. Yeah. If you care about which topics those are, I can tell you, but yeah. outside the scope of this particular thought. <laughs> so, like, these days, I open a Hacker News thread and expect there to be a lot of, like, one-line comments from people who are not giving the issue a whole lot of considered thinking. Yeah. Whereas three years ago, I would expect, like, lots of two to three paragraph comments from folks who would say things like, I actually developed a system at issue, and blah, 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 or I worked in this for 20 years. I'm not sure that the blog post is exactly on point with regards to the architecture issues at play here. Let me give you some background. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the, so good news, bad news. The bad news is there's a lot of, like, one-line Reddit-esque stuff and, uh, ha-ha, Hacker News killed his blog, lols. <laughs> but the good news is that some... Some portion of the thread is often people who, oh, yeah, I have been a patent lawyer for the last 20 years. Here's the issue at, at stake in the case. So I I can't quit it. It's still yeah. too useful. Yeah. Um, not that I would want to quit it, aside from, like, lunch or something. But yeah. uh, and, too much and of a hobby it, for me. How's it changed? Like, I, I know that it's always kind of... Um, uh, how can I... Basically, how's it changed now that people know that it drives a lot of traffic? That's a good question. Um, huh. So, I like Hacker News. I like much of the community on Hacker News. I also make and sell software for a living, and I'm peripherally aware as for working with other people who make and sell software exactly what the value of like being on the front page of Hacker News for a day is for several companies. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you that if your primary concern concern is traffic generation or selling software, that being on top of Hacker News is not a priority for you in life. Yeah. And we will just throw that out there. Now, if for some reason, you know, getting 50,000 page views makes or break whether you have a good week or a bad week, then, yeah, that's a, you know, being on the front page of Hacker News is a wonderful thing, and you should arrange to have that happen every week if possible. But um, very few businesses that I work with are described by that set of circumstances. Yeah. I actually know a couple of businesses who would prefer if, like, if there was a button they could push and never get listed on Hacker News again, they would do it. Um, <laughs> why is why and, that? Um, so people's, like, uh, the way they go about valuing things is different, right? Like, yeah. somebody, let's say you... I know he said it publicly. Okay, I'll, he said it publicly on Twitter, so I'll mention, you know, DHH has said he wishes his blog post would never be on Hacker News again because he thinks the comments they get are stupid. Yeah. And, you know... DHH, obviously, he's a uh, he's doing pretty well for himself with that whole base camp thing, and um, pretty much got the money issue solved. He's racing around sports cars and having a lot of fun doing it. So, getting a lot of trollish comments on Hacker News is like you know a negative thing that happens to him for no possible upside, and he wishes that would never happen. Mm, yeah, and, you know, I can kind of sympathize with that. Like, um, I do get a little like not of dread in my stomach when. Anything I write gets to the top of it because, like, if it's happy comments, then I'm happy. And if there's bad comments on it, even if they're balanced out, like, 20 to 1 by good comments, then as a creator, that always, like, you, I don't want to say you only remember the the bad trollish comment, but it does sort of have disproportionate weight. <laughs> so, yeah, how did I get on that topic? Uh, but, yeah, so yeah, there's how it is. Well... There's a few different places I want to go here. One is, um, I think we both know a few people, 
because this is a good segue into talking about um, maybe personality-based businesses mm -hmm. and just like standalone businesses. And we were right. talking before we started that you actually have both. You you're, you have a well-known personality. Um, I would say like the Patio 11 brand is mm -hmm. conversion optimization. You've got a little book out about conversion optimization. You have a video course. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have done some other kind of live events around that. So kind of things around the Patio 11 brand that people kind of know, yeah. uh, conference speaking, etc. And then on the other hand, you have appointment reminder, which mm -hmm. a lot of people probably don't even realize is yours. And right. um, you know, it could li no, literally, I could, I could start running it, and it wouldn't matter in terms of like personality, right? Right. So I've got, um, uh, as of a week ago when I sent my last email, uh, it was a convenient number so I remember it, there were 10,111 10, people. So all ones and zeros, I kind of like that number. Um, <laughs> people on the email list. And so they all know who I am and have like, you know, some vague idea of what I stand for and what they want to get out of being in a relationship with me. And I apologize in advance to everybody in the video who's going, personality marketing is totally BS. I don't love the term personal branding either, but be that as it may, there are some people who have an expectation of like stuff that I, I know and I'm good at that they would like to learn from me, and so they're, they, describe, they decide to be on my email list or follow me on Twitter or you know pay attention when my stuff shows up on Hacker News. Yeah. So anyhow, that disclaimer out of the way. So those 10,000 people know who I am. I also have ballpark it at several thousand people who have paid me money. Most for, you know, bingo card creator appointment reminder or something else. And I'm listed on the website somewhere. Like if you go to the About Us page, there's my smiling mug there and a little, you know, brief bow about Patrick. But I guarantee you that, you know, of the seven or eight thousand people who have bought Bingo Card Creator, the vast majority of them could not tell you, okay, if I gave you five hundred dollars right now for telling for telling me the first name of the guy who made that bingo thing that you use, what is it? Like, I would probably have to pay out $500, maybe you know, <laughs> a little more than that. Yeah. But, um, you know, not all that well-known. Yeah, so this is an example. And so I sign the emails that go out for these businesses under my own name, but they're, um, from the customer's perspective, they don't have a really, you know, deep appreciation of who I am or where I'm, where I'm coming from or my story or anything. I'm just, you know, a person that they do business with, like they do business with many other people. Like, you know, you might do business with the guy who runs the laundry shop. But very few people who, like, go in every day, see the guy at the laundry shop, say, you know, you exchange pleasantries and you get your laundry and he does good laundry and that's, like, kind of the extent of your relationship with him, right? Where <laughs> people will, like, you know, if I'm speaking at a conference or something, people will come up and talk to me as if we've been friends for years because they kind of feel that, you know, from reading all my stuff, they have a, like, a read on me and maybe we've talked over email a bunch and, you know, we know each other, right? And to an extent, we do know each other. And then sometimes, like, the level I actually know them is different than the level that they think they know me at, which can be interesting <laughs> kind of... Yeah. That's an interesting relationship kind of thing when you have a, you know, one to 10,000 or one to 100,000 kind of relationship with folks. And I think folks who are... Uh, several orders of magnitude more famous than me probably have uh, a different take on that, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, funny stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely have a have a business where you know folks interact with you directly and expect your personal interaction to be kind of key to that business relationship. And then you can have businesses where people 
do not expect the same deal of personalization within that interaction with the business, even if, you know, the size of the business is still one, all of your interaction with the business is definitionally, definitionally with the business owner. Yeah. But you're not really, like, relying on that for one of the types. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so here's, um, to kind of circle back to Hacker mm -hmm. News, uh, I know quite a few people that have started, have gotten their start through Hacker News. So, and mm -hmm. it was things like uh, Nathan Berry uh, and his books, a lot of his initial traction and mm -hmm. uh, list growth came from Hacker News. Uh, Brennan Dunn, a lot of his initial traction, and they all end up hating it in the future, uh, <laughs> partly because it's it's difficult to maintain that traction. It's it's like um, kind of like gambling, like pulling the lever on a on a lotto machine and you know <laughs> hoping that something comes up. But it does seem like, for, especially for people starting out, and for me maybe people starting out um, just as a single person, it is helpful. Um, do you think that's the case? Like, is it, and maybe what I'm asking is, uh, is that a good place to start if you're just starting a product business, is to start something around your own expertise and then go out to whatever forums there are, whether it's Hacker News or, you know, a knitting forum mm -hmm. and building your initial audience there? Ooh, that is a, that's a corker of a question and it, like, there's multiple facets to answer the question with, right? Okay. Like, it's complicated. Is business is building a business around one of your expertise is a good thing in general? Yes, as long as that expertise is like reasonably commercializable. Like, I love to do many things, um, and I'm very blessed by the fact that programming computers, making software, and selling software is actually commercially lucrative. I also like to play League of Legends, uh, despite the fact that there are there are, you know, 10 or 100 or whatever people who make a living doing League of Legends. Like, there's a million people who think that they are just, you know, one day away of, like, YouTubing and streaming from making a uh, living doing League of Legends, and the vast majority of them are wrong, right? Like, League of Legends is not a commercial activity for anybody who is not Riot Games, or for yeah. the vast majority of anybody who are not Riot Games. So, um, you know, if you want to build your business on top of knitting, I might wave a red flag and say that is probably not the highest and best use of your time. But um, you know, if you're a programmer and you're thinking, okay, of the universe of possible things I could build, um, should I be building for other programmers or businesses who can consume software or that sort of thing, or should I, you know, work on something that I have no pre-existing knowledge or passion for? Then working on something that you do have pre-existing knowledge or passion for has a lot to recommend it. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the community aspect. Yeah. So let's say that um, there are some watering holes that we know of where you know our, the audience for the kind of thing that we're building hangs out. Like if you're a programmer, your audience hangs out in Hacker News. If you, you find a, think of a commercial niche for, that is not related to programming, that should not be hard, and yet I'm vapor locking at 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, HIPAA consulting. Okay, so HIPAA is American health legislation that I have to work with and work sometime. Let's say um, you're not a programmer, but you happen to know a lot about health privacy legislation and how it interacts with like the operations of hospitals, and you want to go into consulting for that. Mm -hmm. So people who care about that are typically hospitals or somebody who, somebody else who has you know a care, like some uh, interface with the health health industry, and they you know they don't want to be sued into oblivion by the federal government. So they must have a watering hole somewhere, right? Because everybody, well, not everybody, but lots of people are online in a lot of different uh, varieties. 
you can even find there's actually a form, and it's fascinating for people who run banks. And you would think, huh? Why the the CEO of Bank of America has time to like sit on a form all day? Of course not. But not like him. But like the guy who runs, you know, the First National Bank of Normal Bloomington, like he might have enough time to troll a form all day. <laughs> and so there's, there's this like banker's form. I think it's actually called banker's form. And then talk to each other about, man, this client came in today and had this like check that was written out to her mother, but she tried to deposit into this, and I think that violates Regulation D. What do you think about that? And then you know the the form denizen with the gray beard will say, well, actually, Regulation D says blah. We covered this last year. Here's the thread. <laughs> but man, I love the internet. Anyhow, so so there exists. A, there may exist a online forum about your commercialized interest, should you bring your stuff there? Be very careful about that um, because many, like, self-promotion is not um, commercially, self-promotion is not accepted by the community at every watering hole on the internet. Um, Hacker News is a bit of a weird case because, like, Hacker News is a community of people who are making and, well, largely a community of people who are either making and starting businesses or aspire to one day make or start a business. And so here's what I'm working on has a bit of um, like a bit of acceptability on Hacker News where it might not be acceptable on the, you know, somebody comes up to the banker form, I'm thinking of starting a bank, will you give me money? Yeah. Um, <laughs> might not go over so well. So uh, take, I love take your... a read of the community before you do that. Um, also, like and it'll depend on the community, but there's a line for um, you know, how much value you can ask the community to give you without giving them corresponding amounts of value in return. I always try to stay way the heck on the side of the line where um, you know, I wrote, I was a uh, probably too active member of Hacker News for many, many years before I, well, many weeks before I submitted my, my own article. And then as a result of, I could tell you my theory for why I'm popular in Hacker News, but that isn't. That isn't useful for, for most of the people watching this, so you tell me if you want to hear it. But let's say I have a theory for that. And um, after I noticed that I was fairly popular in Hacker News and that virtually anything I made would show up on the top of Hacker News just by virtue of the fact that I made it, that made me um, stop submitting my own stuff to Hacker News at all, basically. Like, I haven't done it in the last several years. And it makes me very careful about hitting the publish button on things, um, partly because, like, I feel a sense of responsibility as somebody who uh, transparently loves that forum to not like spam it up. So uh, basically, there's you know on my checklist of things to do before publishing the blog post. You know, one of the last things I do before hitting the publish button is if this post is not worthy of being like in the top five on Hacker News right now, do not publish until it is, because it's going there whether I want it to or not, mm -hmm. and I'm going to get you know people will tell me very loudly if it was not worthy of being in the top five. So. Yeah. Like respect that, respect that space, um, which is perhaps a, like you know me only kind of worry. I know I know a lot of people just getting started would be would fall over and die to have that quote unquote problem, but it is a problem for me. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about another another facet of that issue where like like the Hacker News launch is sort of like a mini version of the Tech Crunch launch, right? Where you can't control if it happens or not. Um, well, you can, but uh, if you're too effective at that, uh, PG and a few other people will hate your guts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, like I wouldn't build the plan for my business, you know, success or failure around whether I get on the top page of Hacker News at launch, because, you know, 
maybe you hit the right combination of things and you do and you get 500 people to see your thing. Um, maybe you don't and you get zero people to see your thing or you know four see it before it scrolls off the news pa the new page. If that kills your business, then that's sad. Um, so I wouldn't bake that into your assumptions. Um, a lot of people, like, and I'll tell you, you know, I didn't possess the magic I win the internet button at the start of my business. It launched to a total of 76 people who saw it in the first day, and that was because of a different forum. Um, so you totally don't need it to work. Uh, you can, like, you know, build up semi-organically a reputation for producing awesome things over time, chiefly by cranking the wheel and then telling people about it one-on-one. -on -one. And um, eventually, knock on wood, assuming you're producing the right thing for the right people, that will start to spread. Um, it, the spread of it will be accelerated by you continuing to go out and promote your own stuff, which is a difficult message for many people I know to hear, uh, but which is something that engineers need to be told more often. Like, there, it is not a sin to write people an email and say, hey, I know you because of blah. I know your interests include this. I have just made something which is responsive to that direct interest, which I think you slash your audience will be really interested because, you know, sincere reason here, here's the link, tell me what you think. Um, I wouldn't spam people with that, but, you know, assuming that you are picking the people you are sending that message to correctly and that you are hopefully trying to engage them in a real relationship rather than just, you have a blog with a lot of readers, I should send this email to you. Um, you know, their response to that will be like decent to pretty darn good for both of your perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I, Can I talk about that for a little bit because I think this is a this is an underused art. For sure, for sure. And I think what we'll do, I, this is exactly where I wanted to get to, and mm -hmm. and because I, I think uh, the idea, like I mentioned before, I'm writing this book, marketing for developers, mm -hmm. and I wanted to get into this with you about. Uh, self-promotion, and um, I think the the um, maybe we can circle back to that. But there's this idea, especially of about Hacker News, for example, mm -hmm. where the the response I get from a lot of developers is like, I wouldn't dare post anything on Hacker News. Similar to you, but even further back, right? They're saying, right, right. I like no way. And I'm thinking like, well. Like, I know these people have valuable things to add to the community, like actual good uh, knowledge that they could share that would be helpful, but they're they're holding back. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, a schmuck like me is submitting things, partly because uh, partly because I, I just don't have that same uh, fear, I guess. Mm -hmm. and um, and I'm not saying I'm trying to be a jackass. Like I'm hanging out and I'm listening and I'm listening to for patterns and and you know seeing where the needs are and then offering things that meet those needs mm -hmm. but my threshold for for you know contributing something to the discussion is is way lower right mm -hmm. so maybe yeah keep talking about kind of going where you're going and uh, maybe let's just yeah stay on this thread for a while threshold is a great word so there's no one like single scale for quality right so just to make it absolutely clear that we're just talking in very general terms. I'm going to assert that a particular, you know, article or blog post or um, video or whatever has a single number called awesome points. <laughs> and I think the perception is that, you know, on a scale of like zero to 100 awesome points, that nothing deserves to be on Hacker News, 
at below 90 awesome points. And somebody will think, well, even on a good day, I can only produce 80 awesome points, so therefore my stuff should never be on Hacker News. I will tell you as somebody who is on that forum multiple times a day that, like, if you look at the, the new post thing, the typical le level of awesome points associated with something is 0 to 5. <laughs> and if you look at the front page, there will be, you know, on a very good day, there will be five things on the front page that have more than 80 awesome points. And then there will be a lot of stuff which gets on the front page because it, you know, hits the zeitgeist of the day or um, it was produced by a well-known producer like, you know, TechCrunch lands on the front page all the time or, um, you know, yada, yada. So don't think that you can never produce something that's good enough for the Hacker News front page. That almost certainly isn't true. Now, should you post everything you create to the front page? No. Um, should you send emails personally inviting people to look at everything you create? Probably not. Like, I would exercise an internal filter, but don't, um, uh, don't set it too high. Can I give you an example of this? So, yeah, this yeah ties absolutely. This like, self-promotion thing. Yeah. So I'll tell you right now, the single best thing on the internet for a developer who's learning to send the email pitching something that you have created to somebody who has not heard of you yet is um, a post by Peldi uh, from Balsamic titled Balsamic, Marketing, uh, Balsamic Startup Marketing Advice. It's from like 2009 or something. It has not been exceeded since 2009. It may never be exceeded ever. But he gives you basically like a script of Here's an email which is sent by a human to a human that actually demonstrates humanity and at the same time says, you know, there's this thing that I created that you might want to look at. Here's how you take a look at it. Um, so you get email, like, I got that email from Peldi back before anybody knew who Peldi was. And it was great. And I told him I would take a look at his program. And I told him I would write a blog post about it, and I screwed the pooch on writing the blog post and didn't get that done, but we became friends later, so no harm done. Um, but, um, and then his business totally like blew up and took over the world. Um, so like his email is very, was you know, very effective. Like, I perceived awesome stuff from getting that email despite not knowing Peldi prior to the email. And then you know, I get a lot of pitches every day from people who are, um, you know, they read a blog post on copywriting or a blog post on uh, on uh, selling your stuff or whatever, and they try to send their variants of that email, and the the reception that they get is not nearly as as good because they're not as good as writing the emails Peldi is. Like, for example, I got this post by um, won't say his name, but we'll call him <laughs> Bob, and Bob's title is director of SEO, which is already strike one. Yeah, because if you're, you know, you are probably an SEO spammer if your title is director of SEO. Yeah. And it turns out Bob is an SEO spammer. And Bob writes exactly like all SEO spammers write. And so he said, hello, Patrick. And that's like plus one for Bob. The fact that Bob, you know, spent enough time looking up my first name rather than dear site owner meant that, you know, he got through like my first wall of defenses because if it's dear site owner, it's either delete without reading or report a spam without reading. Because you know, if you are not interested enough to figure out my name, I don't want to talk to you ever. Exactly. Unless customer. Um, occasionally customers do send in stuff like that. So I will you know, give it the once over to see, is this customer? If not, delete or report a spam. Yeah. So he got my name right. And then he writes the first paragraph, which does not evince any knowledge of anything I have ever done. 
or care about. And at that point, it's like, this email is done. I have no interest in it. But I took a look down at it and saw he was director of SEO. And a friend of mine had just complained about like these SEO spam emails they got. And reading the email, he didn't seem like a maliciously evil person. He just sounded like someone who was incompetent at their job of reaching out to people and getting them to act on those emails. So I wrote a really detailed response on, here's what you wrote me. Here's what you should have wrote me, written me instead. And I'll tell you what you should have written instead. It's like in that first paragraph when I'm, when I'm reading with an open mind, you should connect with me that says that I am not entry 127 on a CSV of like people who have blogs with traffic. I'm instead someone you actually know and like have any degree of human regard for. So, hey Patrick, I've been reading your blog for a couple of years. I particularly like when you write about conversion optimization. It's like, okay, an actual human has been involved in the crafting of this email. Like that's, that's literally the minimum check. Yeah. Now, since you are, since you are interested in conversion optimization, I thought, that this thing that I created about conversion optimization might be of interest to you. And then you have to do like the internal threshold check, which is, is this going to be of interest to me or not? Like the thing Bob was pitching was um, why people get banned from the app from the app store. And like Bob, here's why I don't care. Number one, <laughs> I don't write apps in the you know iPhone sense of the word. Yeah. Number two, I use an iPhone like. 200 million other people, but no, cons no like part of my portion of my business actually interacts with the iPhone App Store. I never write about the iPhone App Store. I never write about Apple's totally borked uh, customer service policies. I write about Google's all the time, but they're totally different. Yeah. And um, you know, I just can't like reason up any any what do you call it? Um, like I just don't care. <laughs> and if you knew me, which no part of your email has given me any evidence that you know me, but hypothetically, if this was a legit email between someone who actually knows what I care about and myself, um, you would know that I don't care about this at all. So let's say, okay, I have a good faith, a good faith belief on, you know, I've followed you, Patrick, for a while. I know you like conversion optimization, so I will talk to you about conversion optimization. Is the thing I'm producing good enough quality to like take time out of your day to talk about it. And Bob failed at this as well, because like if you said this is the single best article on the internet on Apple's uh, Bort, you know, iPhone application review process, then that might be interesting to me. Not because I care about like iPhone apps in general, because I don't <laughs> um, it's like, you know, figure skating or something I don't care about. Um, but I am professionally obligated to care a little bit about heavyweights in the tech industry, and Apple is a heavyweight in the tech industry. So if this is like the definitive thing on something important to the tech industry, then maybe that's important. But it was not the definitive article. It was written by some person making like $5 an article who had no particular insight into it, whatever. So that's like strike 407. Um, so, you know, if you are writing a an introductory blog post on like what is A-B testing. Hey Patrick, do you want to see this introductory blog post on what is A-B testing? Probably not. Like, I'm kind of an expert at it. I know what it is. If it's going to be the same as the other 400 blog posts on the internet about what is A-B testing, then you know that is like beneath my radar. If it is the best introduction to A-B testing ever, that's interesting. Like, 
although you better be sure it's the best. If yeah. it's this is the only way to to do A/B testing on this platform that you use. That's interesting. If um, Patrick, this blog post cites you with like favorably with regards to this thing you said here, but disfavorably with regard to this one recommendation. You can read the whole story at the blog post. That like pings my radar pretty hard, right? Both because I love reading about my stuff because everybody loves reading about themselves, yeah. but also because like, hey, I have you know worthwhile insight about something that you have demonstrated care about. Like, ooh, um, or if like you know, you know, you had a suggestion to try this um, in a particular blog post, and so I tried that. Here is my write-up. That's like, ooh, total brain crack for me, right? Yeah. So that would have been a very successful pitch, not pitching stuff about things I don't care about, which were kind of crappy. Yeah. So, so when you you know create stuff like, um, one exercise I think Peldy recommends this. If you didn't, um, I'll recommend it independently. Prior to like creating the thing that you're going to be promoting, mentally script out how these emails are going to sound. Like, you know, who will care? And is it going to hit that quality bar? And is it going to hit that, like, you know, the dead center of the target that they will really care about receiving this email? And if you can't identify anybody who will care and who will hit, you will hit the bullseye on, don't create this thing. Like, create something else, right? So, you know, if you are thinking, um, you know, okay, I'm going to build something of interest to people who are in charge of marketing software. All right? So I will make up a like mental list or even a CSV file if you don't actually implement it like that of 100 people who talk about marketing software all the time. And of that 100, I'm going to like strike out 80 of the names as being not on topic for this thing I'm creating. But if you can't find anybody on the list who would care about that thing that you're writing, then don't write that thing. Write something else. So you know, if nobody in the space of people who care about marketing software cares about I don't know, naming decisions for software. That's a great example of something that sounds like it's important but actually isn't. Yeah. I, so what I just said is a controversial statement, but <laughs> I will stand by it. Um, but, like, pricing for software as a service applications, that is an interesting topic. So if you go down your list of 100 people, I guarantee you that 100 people involved with marketing software, some would, like, care very little about pricing decisions because it's out of their hands. Like if I'm, you know, if I work at a big go, pricing is done in a different silo. I just have to market the damn thing. So eh, not my not my issue. If you're me on the other hand, where I consult well, back when I had a consultancy, like I consulted on that for a living or I have to do it for my own applications. Like and I have previously said all, several times that pricing is one of the easiest levers you have for moving your business. If you have a interesting take on pricing I would love to hear it, um, as long as it isn't, you know, a repetition of stuff that is widely available elsewhere on the internet, and that there's, you know, some level of care involved, and there's, you know, a reason why I should drop what I'm doing today and read your thing. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, and again, like many people who create things, I am a sort of hyper consumer of things that other people create. So, like, I keep saying the best thing on the internet. You don't have to be strictly speaking the best article on the internet. Like, if you're in, you know. Let's say I read, um, I don't know, let's ballpark it at uh, 25 to 100 blog posts a week, depending on the given week. So if you think you're one of the best 25 things I could spend my time on this week, that's good enough to, like, you know, hit the bar for dropping me an email about it. Um, particularly if you have a good 
faith belief in that. Like, if I feel, you know, too busy this week, then either I won't reply to you, not because I hate your guts, but just because I didn't get to my entire inbox, and sorry, that's my bad, or I'll reply to you with, hey, thanks for sending me the link. I'm kind of busy this week. I might take a look at, look at it later. If not, ping me. And that'll be the extent of it. And believe me, you haven't burned any bridges doing that. Or I will take a look at it. And if it was like, uh, okay, I could see a good faith belief on their part that this would be interesting, but it doesn't, we'll probably write you back. Thanks for the pointer. Um, and then, you know, because I'm writing an email, I might add like one line of comment on that. Yeah. Hit send. And I probably won't be like tweeting it out to, you know, 10,000 people or writing a blog post response to it. Um, if, on the other hand, it's like, if I write you back saying, wow, this has forever changed my thinking on software pricing. Thank you so much. That is one of the canonical best things. That would be a great time to write me back and say, wow, really great. You like it? Um, would you think about, like, tweeting that out, maybe with following language? And I just copy-paste in the tweet thingy and would get send on that. Very few people ever do that to me. But if they did it, it would be very effective. Um, yeah. Uh, typically, yeah. when I when I say this is one of the best things I've ever read on blah in my Twitter stream or whatnot, it's because that I independently came to that conclusion and then decided it was so important that I had to tell Twitter about it. But if you know, if I had just told you face to face as the creator, this is the best thing I have ever read on the sub subject of software pricing, that would be an excellent time to mention. You know, maybe you weren't gonna like break out the Twitter client on your iPhone. Uh, independently, but is that worth breaking out the, the Twitter client? And if it's the most important thing and something that's of heavy interest to software entrepreneurs, after like 0.05 seconds of consideration, I'd be like, yeah, copy yeah. based on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let me let me stop you right there because I think that what you've just talked about <laughs> is pretty important. And there's a, there's a bunch of stuff we could touch on. One is that this is about uh, relationships. Yes. And definitely. And the I think, um, especially when we're talking to developers and technical people, uh, you know, one thing I hear back is, you know, I, I want to stay at my keyboard and behind a screen, mm -hmm. and um, and also this kind of desire to stay, you know, to stay somewhat anonymous and things like that. And mm -hmm. depending on how you run your business, you could probably do that to a certain extent. But if you want, for example, somebody like you said to share something that you've written. Mm -hmm. That approach you just described is exactly what you need to do. And the, the first mistake people make that aren't practiced in that is they write an email that's all about them and not about right, right. the receiver, which is what you were just talking about. Right. So you want to write it about the receiver and people who are um, people who like actively know they have an audience and care about that audience, which is presumably why you're writing to them. You you know, if you're ever making a pitch for you should share this to your audience, like there should be something, you know, an implicit or explicit statement that your audience gets something out of seeing this too. And yeah. Obviously, if I tell you that, um, you know, I think this is the best article ever written about software pricing, and we both know that I care about software pricing a whole lot, and I have an audience of other people who, um, you know, make and sell software for a living, then it's implicit that they would benefit from knowing it. If, like, connecting the dots is not quite so easy, you could say, hey, um, you know, uh, I think your audience of this would be a good time to demonstrate that you are not a brainless internet spammer by describing my audience in one sentence or less. 
So I think your audience of um, software entrepreneurs and uh, you know aspiring software entrepreneurs would benefit from this because it will help them uh, get a career update uh, upgrade, or it will help them you know negotiate their salary better, or it will help them um, it'll help them do customer discovery on their next startup. That's like that. Rather than it will. You know, it will help my hit counter increase by like 400 to 2,000, depending on how many people you can put in front of, because that isn't a compelling reason for me to hit publish, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what I love about all this stuff is that it's actually great practice for marketing itself. Yeah. Marketing is really like a big email to an audience that you have to prove you, uh, whom you understand. Like you have mm -hmm. to prove to them, I understand you, and this is mm -hmm. about you. It's not about me. And, and it is... That is challenging because in our heads, uh, especially as creators, we have all sorts of uh, emotional needs, right? We want people to like us. We right. want the thing that we created to not get criticized and to be loved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's all these emotional needs, and I think man, that is under talked about in our community, but so true. Yeah, um, not just like you need people to act about you in a certain way, but you know, as a creator, you want to have the experience of producing something which is. Um, beautiful or useful or unique or, you know, very, like, I have yet to meet an entrepreneur who got into entrepreneurship because it's like, I love producing crap. Ooh, <laughs> it makes me feel so great about myself. We all kind of get into it because we have a burning need to do something awesome for some scale of awesome or, you know, need to be validated. Um, like, if I was doing psychoanalysis on myself, I really have a deep-seated need to be seen as smart and successful. Um, so when I make things, like, if they don't uh, cause people to reflect that, like, wow, this was made by somebody smart, slash this was made by someone fairly successful, um, that, you know, I get frowning faces rather than happy faces when, when doing with that interaction. Um, so I would be aware as creators that you also have emotional needs and make sure those are being met makes life much easier when they are. Yeah. Um, talking yeah. about periods in my life where my job was not contributing to that, and it sucked. Mm -hmm. But um, not on the topic though, at hand. So yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing is to, to remember is um, sometimes we get really obsessed with this idea of getting in front of the right person. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if I could only get this in front of Jason Freed, that would change my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, um, you know, I've been, I've been lucky enough to hang out with those guys. I, I can email them and talk to them, and I'm trying to build a relationship with them. You know, sometimes they've shared some of my stuff, which can be helpful. I'm not going to diminish that. There is something helpful about mm -hmm. getting in front of an audience that could potentially, um, you know, become my audience, and I could build a relationship with them. That's all good. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, I've sent – here's a good example. I sent DHH an email about something, and he is so far ahead of me. Like, he is so, uh, similar to what you said, like, if you got an email about an introductory uh, conversion optimization post, you'd be mm -hmm. like, ah, it's not really that interesting. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I wrote a post like that, and I found some people on Twitter that I'd been listening to and talking to that were at that stage, mm -hmm. and I sent five of them that link the day before I was going to publish, saying, you know, I've just written this thing. I think it'll be helpful for people that are at our stage. Could you take mm -hmm. a look at this and tell me what you think? And whenever I've done that, I think that's also a good approach, especially for um, 
building an audience and things like that. Because then you've got, if you've got five people that are saying, whoa, like this is incredible, like I never knew this stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. Patty Levin's going, eh, whatever. You know, and I think yeah. as a creator sometimes you're like, oh, Patty Levin didn't like my thing, this must suck. But sometimes it's just about the stage, you know, it's just not appropriate for <laughs> the, the audience of Patty Levin. But it might be perfect for this audience of people that are new to conversion optimization. I get where you're going there with the, um, with the. Hmm. So I kind of feel like, if I was to bucket myself, I'm much closer to the people in your audience than I am to like DHH in terms of uh, public profile and whatnot. Um, that said, like it is a real thing that some people are extraordinarily successful and extraordinarily busy, and they have many people who are trying to demand their attention, and that some people are. Um, have less people trying to demand their attention. For example, like despite the fact that there's a couple of tens of thousands of people who have my email, you know, on a busy day I get 100 emails. And I guarantee you that DHH cannot remember the last day where he only got 100 emails. So, um, you know, as a, as a percentage of mind share of inbox, um, like any email sent to me is gets more of it than any random email sent to DHH. Um, and that's, you know, that's something you could say about like a whole spectrum of people. Like Beyonce wishes she had DHH's problem with the, oh, you only have a, a million people who know your name. Neither here nor there. Um, but in terms of like, you know, who you should aim the majority of your effort for in uh, pitching things, I would pick people who are like one or two steps beyond you, as opposed to like a hundred steps beyond you, simply because you're more likely to. Um, to get their attention. So let's say somebody that, hypothetically someone has 100 people in their audience. They do not receive on a, on a uh, regular basis comment that says, you know, what you wrote about X totally changed my view on X. Like that is, that, that kind of email makes their day. Mm -hmm. now, you know, if you multiply the impact Rails has had over the number of people it's had, and then filter that through the function of what percentage of them are going to try to, you know, reach DHH. Like DHH has probably literally, literally heard, "Dude, you got me married. Thanks," <laughs> many, many times. Whereas yeah. if you are, you know, Bob who runs Bob File Format Blog, like, which has you know 10 RSS subscribers, and someone writing a sincere email that says, "Bob, I follow your blog for years, and honestly, it's awesome. That's one of my favorites." Assuming that's sincere, that like Bob will mention that to his wife that day. Hey, honey, you know, I wasn't totally wasting time on the internet the last three years. This person said I really mattered to them. Um, so if you can find the people who are, you know, still at the stage where somebody like you saying something positive to them puts a smile on their face, then you're likely to have a better chance at a more meaningful connection than just mailing the most popular person that you can think of. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And for example, like um, I don't want to say, you know, use me as a conduit. I'll be a gate gatekeeper into the wider internet. But like uh, <laughs> that is, you know, not what I am. I'm a, a, you know, small businessman who runs a business that could get like lost in the cash drawer at a lot of them. But um, you know, a couple people know who I am, and yet I read all my own email uh, and respond to most of it, and you know, do generally like when people email me a post saying, hey, I've got a got something you can read in 20 minutes and uh, about something you like. So that would be a good guy to pitch for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and also, 
one of the reasons like working at like a ladder works like that is so if you were to like play draw the social graph um, uh, a couple of years ago I would not have guessed that you know J random smart person in my in the industry knows me uh, these days they might who knows but um, like if you want to play draw the social graph like the people who are three steps ahead of you, read the people who are two steps ahead of you. The people who are ten steps ahead of you, read the people who are nine steps ahead of you, who read the people who are eight steps ahead of you, who dot dot dot, read you. So, okay, I'll use myself as an example. Okay. There's, there's like 20 people who, I, who have a reputation to me of consistently producing awesome stuff. And absolutely everything they produce, I will read. And absolutely anything that they said, this gets my stamp of approval, would immediately go to the top of things that I am reading that day in my like time that I carve out for reading as opposed to making things and sending customer support email and that sort of stuff. Many of those folks who have you know less profile than I do, and I'm not, you know, I don't exactly get like recognized on the street and asked for autographs or anything, but I have a certain bit of internet profile. These folks have less, but they've previously demonstrated that they have, um, you know, some level of insight into that. So they're like kind of my. Uh, like I use them as filters for the you know five billion things that get published on the internet every day. So, if you were to approach one of them, who, you know, they don't get a hundred emails a day, they might get like two related to business. If you approach one of them, and they endorsed your thing, that like gets a, um, you know, that gets you on my radar if being on my radar was important to you. And that sort of thing works for people at like any level of success trying to approach any people at any level of success. So, you know, if you think, man, it would be absolutely awesome if Gatekeeper X heard about my thing. You play Walk the Social Network from Gatekeeper X to somebody that they trust but does not have X's profile and pitch them instead. And then after you have a relationship with them and have convinced them that, you know, you are A, not some sort of crazy internet stalker and B, not a bozo about your topic of expertise, you can ask them, hey, would you mind introducing me to X? And that works fairly decently. Yeah, um, yeah. I've actually used that same approach with um, sometimes busy people have uh, an assistant or a co-founder yeah. that may not be as well known. And um, I've sometimes said, you know, I've, I maybe pitched them on something first mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, through the, the grapevine it's gotten to, you know, the people up the up the the stack. Yep, yep. Um, that's one of the the oldest sales techniques in the book, but they don't teach it at engineering school, and they really should. <laughs> um, and but, again, you know, you you aren't being manipulative or anything like this. You're can we can we hammer the word genuine again? Making genuine connections with people. Like yeah, um, uh, I usually call I call people who I know socially, but like um, like not close enough to invite over to my house for dinner if they were ever in Ogaki, um, my internet buddies. So, you know, I've got hundreds of internet buddies, um, but, you know, if you want to be an internet buddy, my email address is widely discoverable. Start talking to me. I'll yeah. talk to you. And over the course of a couple of weeks or a couple of months, we're internet buddies. Yay. Um, yeah. And if internet buddy reaches out to me about, oh, I produce this thing, then... I like to see, hear that because I love when my inter- I love when internet buddies have success, and I like helping them out. Uh, yeah. And if it's you know a mutual fit between 
between their needs, my needs, and my audience's needs, then I would you know love to put a solid in all three columns at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's probably a great place for us to stop, Patrick. I, I want you to be able to get a good night's sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I really appreciate your time and everything, like the stories you've shared, the insight you've shared. Every time I talk to you, I get a lot of, uh, I learn a lot. And uh, the people that we're going to share this with, are, I think, are going to get a lot too. So thanks so much. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Justin. And thanks, folks, for watching this. Um, if you ever want to get in touch with me, my email address is patrick at any domain I control. One of them is calzumius, K-A-L-Z-U-M-E-U-S dot com, although it's all the same inbox. Um, feel free if you produce something you think I might like. You know, don't be a stranger. If worst thing that happens is I get busy that day and don't write you back, uh, that, you know, I'm not going to hate your guts or anything. So, yeah, drop me a line. Perfect. And so just again, you can find Patrick. Uh, this is appointmentreminder.org. That's uh, the SAS product we were talking about. This is his excellent blog, calzumius.com slash blog. And I, I also want to just highlight uh, right up here at the top is his email newsletter. And I, I'm not just saying this because Patrick's a guest. This is, his newsletter is one of my favorite newsletters. If you want to learn how to write a great newsletter, that uh, there's just a, you'll learn a lot by reading Patrick's newsletters. There's a lot of his personality in there. Uh, and there's always something of value. There's always some tools that I feel like, oh man, I can't believe, I can't believe he's giving it to us for free. Uh, I gotta say, I put 90% of my effort in writing these days into the newsletter rather than the blog. So, um, yeah, yeah, I recommend it, it myself. And yeah, not it just is because that's useful for me. <laughs> it's really, really good. And then uh, he is Patio11 on Twitter, and uh, he's also Patio11 on Hacker News, of course. So thanks again, Patrick, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks very much, uh, Justin. Talk to you and the rest of the guys later. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Nobody can tell a story like Patio 11. Thanks so much to Patrick for coming on the show, sharing all those insights with us, free of charge. He just did that out of the goodness of his heart. It's amazing. Like I said, if you want the full video interview, you need to become a JFDI member. You can do that at jfdi.bz. And if you're a developer and you're building an app, SaaS product, anything else, and you want to bring your marketing to the next level or you're just confused by it, check out the book I'm writing, justinjackson.ca slash marketing for developers. As always, you can write me at productpeople at bizbox.ca. You can reach me on Twitter, at MIJustin. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, too, at productpeopletv. If you want it to really help the show out, leave us an honest review in iTunes. Just go into iTunes, search for Product People, click on the five-star rating turns out we were just on uh, What's Hot for iTunes in the USA, so thanks to everybody that have been downloading and rating the show in iTunes. This show would be nothing without you, the listener, and the community that's kind of come around the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and I will see you next time. <laughs>